Hey there, welcome to the show and happy May. You know, I can't believe it. It's already May and there's so much to talk about today. And of course, at this time of month, this is where we have our real estate talk triangle and my panelists joining me again. Uh, we've got Tim Sirianos. He's broker owner at Remax Ultimate. You know, he's a former president of TREB and uh, he's also part of the Canadian Real Estate Association as a director. So Tim's going to be joining us as he has for oh, probably the last two years. We do have Dave Butler and he is the CEO of BM Select. Dave's going to be joining us as well and uh, always a great guest talking about mortgages. You know, what are we going to dive into today? You know, there's so much and it's always great having these gentlemen join me. So, you know, probably going to be talking about interest rates. Where are they going? Um, I'll probably talk about that in a minute, but uh, definitely getting Dave's take on is always important. Tim's going to be weighing in on what the market's doing and what about some of these headlines? I got to tell you, you know, it, it, it sounds like the sky is falling, but if you drill it down, it's not the case. It's just, you know, Maybe they're just trying to sell, I was going to say sell newspapers, but it's not really happening anymore. Most people are just, you know, taking a look at the app and taking a look at some of the stories. And so we're going to get some of these stories, you know, broken down, find out what validity they have. And that's why I have this every single month. So it's very exciting. Um, Speaking of exciting, coming up this Thursday, just so you know, at 7 p.m., I have my real estate uh, investment webinar coming up and you don't want to miss it. Uh, I'm going to talk about... Where is the best place to buy? And by the way, who is the best lender? This is one of those things that a lot of people just say, well, I'm just going to go to my bank. Your bank may not be the place you need to go for your investment real estate. In fact, a lot of the banks are cracking down, making it a little bit more difficult. And perhaps they don't want uh, to give you as many mortgages as you would like. So a lot of times investors struggle you know, getting several mortgages if they want to own, you know, more than one investment property. So, yep, that uh, that webinar is going to, you know, dispel some of the rumors out there, maybe show you a, a different way to look at it. That's coming up again at 7 p.m. this Thursday. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. And uh, if you uh, if you are kicking around on Instagram, you can follow me, the Simple Investor one And I do try to keep you up to date on what's going on. A lot of times I will put up some of my interviews that I do kind of weekly with Jerry Agar uh, between uh, nine and noon. So lots to talk about though today. And, you know, I got to kind of, kind of, you know, slowly ease into it because I am struggling with some of the commitments that we're hearing on the election trail. You know, this is, this is that time of year. And uh, when we, uh, when we take a look at the uh, provincial election coming up, a lot of people are weighing in on real estate, of course. And, you know, this is, this is where, you know, I have to drill down and make sure that numbers that are being thrown out in the public, you know, are they real or should we just, just accept it as just fluff? And, you know, I don't want to do that. I just don't want to write off every politician that talks about real estate, but it's just getting so darn easy to do it. You know, I, I really don't believe, especially at the federal level, uh, any of the federal people are, have just a, not even a sausage understanding about how to build and how to create inventory, you know. And again, it's all the fluff. They just turn around and say, hey, what's the popular thing that we need to get elected? And of course, you know, when we talk about real estate, that's one of the ones that's right there at the top. And so many people are concerned about, obviously, the price of real estate, but they should be a little bit more concerned about the inventory, where it's being built, how it's being built, and what's being built, you know? Are we really, truly building the right 
unique product or are we just doing the knee jerk and making sure that you know first time home buyers are getting their their condo you know because that's kind of the thing that everybody's buying as a first time home buyer nowadays but what about other people what what about you know people that are more mature maybe people that want to downsize is the product that's being built the right product or is there something in the missing middle there that people need to have and you know the builders aren't providing it I don't think that this has been enough of a focus, especially on the campaign trails, when you start diving in on it. And so this is this is part of the problem. And again, what's the solution? Well, right now, it seems like the Bank of Canada thinks that they've got the solution to cool the real estate market. If you look at the headlines right now, you see all sorts of people talking about, you know, oh, the market's off. It's dropping by this number, this percentage, you know, off by 20%. And again, one of the things you'll always hear me clarify is that when we start talking about percentages, we have to be very mindful that they're talking about volume. We haven't seen price drops, nor are we going to see a price drop. Nothing dramatic anyways. I mean, you know, you could have a neighborhood that might fluctuate by a point or two, and that's just because the, the, the highest sale price, multiple offers, kind of cranked it up even above what it should have sold for. So we're going to find a lot of that happening, okay? And so right now, I think one of the things that we need to talk about, and I, I want to have this conversation with you, because expectations, I think, is very, very important today. So are you going to be a buyer or are you going to be a seller? So I'm going to throw on my seller's hat right now, and I think it's a conversation that I really want to have, because over the last you know two years, we've had a lot of the expectation, or at least a year and a half, that people are going to sell at multiple offers. So how has that happened? How have we been able to get the system to kick in and kick up those multiple offers? Well, of course, a technique is being utilized all the time, and that's where people will turn around and say, no offers before a date. So let's run it up for the next, you know, call it you know eight days. Lots of showings. We're not going to entertain an offer. Basically, they're saying it's not that you can't offer. We're just not going to entertain it. So we're going to do that for the next eight days. And then all of a sudden, you want to have a ton of people you know, come to your house with an offer. But one of the things that agents have done is they've actually underpriced it. They haven't actually taken a look at the sold price from the next door neighbor and said, okay, if it's sold for $1.5 million, let's list it for $1.5 million. They say, no, 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 no. Let's list it for a million. Let's go way under. Let's get everybody wound up and excited. And maybe we'll go over $1.5. So the benchmark gets set that way. And I think that for most sellers, that's what they want. You know, they obviously want to have as many people come. They want to get as much as possible. I get it. it makes sense. So here, here's the dilemma, though. When you hear a market that starts to, I, I'll say, quiet down. I don't want to say soften because soften a lot of people. You know, equate that to price. But what if the market starts to quiet down? Maybe there's just not so much a stir in the market. Is that still the best technique that people should use? And truth be told, I would say no. I don't believe that that is always the best technique. I think that, you know, if we find less and less multiple offers, and this is something you and your realtor have to take a look at, you know, if you start seeing where it just becomes real estate as normal, you don't want to set yourself up in a situation where you actually turn around, request multiple offers by doing the hold, and all of a sudden nothing comes up. I mean, I've seen that, and it's actually starting to happen in a few cases where the market's not as hot as everybody thought, they still tried to bait the market, and then on the day of offers, zero. Now, you can imagine what a letdown that will be. And so you have to be very careful with that. So at this point, you know, pricing is going to be key 
if you have to or want to sell. And this is where a lot of people are saying, they're saying, well, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to sell now. You know, interest rates are high. You know, it's harder for us to move up or for that matter, they just, you know, wanted to try the, try the market on, see how much they could get. So let's talk about being a buyer now. And this is something that I think people have to be very mindful is that interest rates could continue to go up. So whatever you lock in, if you're doing a fixed rate mortgage, you know what, you're typically able to lock in about 90 to 120 days. You know, most lenders will give you that. Now, if you're talking about a variable, of course, that's just going to move with the bank rate. And so if you're buying today to close 90 days from now, you know what, you're going to have to turn around and anticipate a higher interest rate. Now, Again, as a buyer, you know you're going to qualify with the stress test. And right now, the stress test is qualifying people at about 5.5%, just to give you a, a quick number. And 5.5%, yeah, we're really hoping interest rates aren't going to go there, nor do I think they will. But 5.5% is still a big number to qualify at. But keep in mind, if you're starting calculating today's numbers, and let's say you're, you know, you're factoring in 2.5% you know, variable rate, well, you know what? 60 days from now, it could be sitting somewhere in uh, the range of 3%. So it will potentially go up another half point. So you have to be mindful of this. And this is one of the important things that when buying, you got to look further into the future. So not just today in place, it's about when you close. And then what are you going to carry? How well are you going to carry it? So again, always make sure you take that buffer into account. Well, one of the things I want you to do, though, is that you definitely need to get pre-qualified. The idea of going in on firm offers nowadays, you know, the competing offers, you have to be mindful about what's happening. And you might get shut down or have to come up with more down uh, when you turn around and close. So, you know, you might have been thinking, hey, I'm going to put, you know, 20% down. Now, the bank may turn around and say, yeah, but the market's this, so you need, we're going to give you less mortgage, which means you have to come up with more to put down as your down payment. So these are the kind of things that I think that we have to be a little bit more aware of in a marketplace like this. So interest rates potentially going up, yes. Less buyers wanting to compete, yes. You know, when you're going to to start negotiating, you know, make sure you've got your conditions in. Protect yourself as a buyer. And by the way, hey, Mr. Seller, you know, it's good if the buyer turns around and gives you conditional on financing because the last thing you want to have is think your house is sold and the day before closing, they say, yeah, we can't get the mortgage. You know, it's the, the transaction only gets completed when the buyer shows up with the money to the lawyer on the day of closing. So as much as everybody likes the idea of, hey, it's a firm offer, sometimes you're kind of taking a flyer and at the end of the day, you're just hoping that they're going to show up. And what happens if they don't? You're going to sue them. Yeah, of course, that's normally what happens. Then you're going to sue them for costs. And then if the value goes down a little, you're going to have to chase them for that. Is it worth it? You know what? I'd rather give somebody, you know, five, 10 days to say, hey, financially, I can do this. Let's see the approval. The bank says yes, then we're good to go. So these are the kind of things that I think everybody should be mindful in a marketplace like today. It is fluctuating. We are going to see it. Do I think prices are going to go down? Nope. You know what? I don't think they're going to go down. Do I think the volume's going to drop? Yep, for sure. Um, I'm, I don't think we're going to return to 20, you know, 2018 volume, but I do believe that the number's going to go down. I think, I think we had our best few months already. I think that the months are going to, you know, get a little bit slower, 
But again, price, do I think it's going backwards? No, I don't think it's going to go backwards from the benchmark, but I do believe that the volume is going to drop. So as I mentioned earlier, when we come back, I've got my Real Estate Talk Triangle panelists joining me, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, this time of month, that's right, it is the Real Estate Talk Triangle and my panelists each month joining me. We've got Tim Sirianos. He is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of Treb, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. And of course, I'll just give you the disclaimer, anything that Tim says today has no bearing on that association. And I've got Dave Butler. He is the CEO of BM Select. You know him. He is definitely my mortgage go-to guys and guys welcome welcome back great to be back thanks for having us amazing to be here thanks todd appreciate it so uh you know what dave i'm gonna jump right in with you uh tim i'm gonna get your take on it shortly but of course the one huge huge elephant in the room and we're just got to figure out how big is this elephant gonna get is the mortgage rate you know uh this past month we saw the bank the the uh, canada uh, bank decided to raise interest rates by, you know, a half a point. Dave, um, you know, they're they're throwing it out there that June we could see another half a point. Where where are we going with this? Yeah, you know, it 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 feels like that half a point is certainly coming in June. Um, but you know what? I'm kind of you know I'm forward looking on this thing. Um, you know, you look at the bonds. Uh, which are drivers of the fixed rates in Canada. We've actually noticed that the bonds have kind of leveled off from their, uh, you know, kind of huge jump. So that's interesting to look at, you know, and I, I, yes, I think the government has kind of decided finally that they're going to attack inflation. And, you know, once they've made that mandate, I think obviously that means they're going to push the rates up. Having said that, I think, you know, and we've talked about this on the show, um, there's a very, very high likelihood, I think, that the quicker they raise them, uh, you know, and with everything else going on in the world, we might find ourselves not just in a, you know, recession here in Canada, but potentially a global recession going into 2023 and 2024. And we all know what happens when you're in a recession. The government will lower the rates. So I have this theory um, that they're likely doing a lot of this, certainly to combat inflation, but more importantly, to give themselves some room to bring them back down because we're seeing a lot of the issues global um, with regards to supply chains and everything else. And uh, that's kind of my take on it. So Dave, a couple of questions for you before I get to Tim would be, of course, you know, what, what should people be doing? Should they be stay, sticking with the variable? And then, you know, the next thing is, is that you and I always have a spring conversation where we know that banks get a little bit more aggressive trying to buy business. They do a little bit more of a discount, more to the, you know, fixed rate mortgages. Are we going to see a little bit of competition in this spring market or are we just going to, you know, run kind of normal course? And and what would you advise our listeners when we're talking about interest rates right now? Well, I mean, I'll touch on the point with regards to, you know, you're right. Every spring, Todd, you and I have these conversations on the air. Every spring, there's a bank that comes out and starts the rate war. That's what we call it, right? Um, usually it's always been BMO, right? BMO would come out with their 299 or something 99 and kick off the spring market. And of course, then the banks all start to battle for that spring and summer business. Um, I think you'll still see that. I mean, I, I and, and to be honest, the evidence of the bond market starting to cool off a little bit could, you know, the timing is actually very interesting. It could lead to the banks starting to fight again on fixed rates. But the truth is this, Um, I think that if people are holding the same idea that we could find ourselves in a recession and we could find rates coming back down, to be honest, the truth is 
clients should be looking at the variable rate in that instance. Again, that's if you have that take. If that's your take, I don't think locking into a five-year fixed right now at 4.5% is necessarily the wise move considering that rates have just flown off the bottom. Um, I think we need to digest. I think the rates need to digest themselves. And I think we need to find where the banks are going to go in the spring and summer market. But certainly variable has been the hot hot rate. And it's not just because we're thinking that rates are going to come back down. It's also because the variable rates today, today, comparative to the fixed rates today, you're almost closing in on a 2% difference. That is wild. And certainly as a mortgage broker, when I'm sitting there and I'm presenting options to my clients, they're looking at the fixed, they're looking at the variable, and certainly they're attracted to the lower rate. Then it's about you know providing them the situations and kind of going over their risk profile to decide what's going to be better for them. But certainly to your point, I think the spring summer market, we should start to see some of the banks fighting against each other for that fixed rate business. But I'm not seeing a lot of fixed rate business right now. Most clients, I would say 80% of our clients are taking variable rates at the moment. So Tim, you know, um, I didn't mean to leave you out for so long, but you know, okay. Dave, Dave makes some interesting points. And of course, now you are on the street with these people. What do you hear from some of your, some of your buyers out there right now? Are they, you know, obviously, you know, realtors, you know, they do their front and center when, when we talk about interest rates. What are we hearing? Well, it's interesting how the magic word that I heard there was feels like. And we need to go back to that feels like, um, you know, word and phrase, because that's actually what has been affecting the marketplace in the last three or four weeks um, with the rate increases and the changes and, and the upcoming election. And, and obviously the frenzy we had in the market for the first uh, part of the year once we've had this bump in interest rates, all of a sudden it feels like maybe it's not the right time to jump into the market, or it feels like maybe it's the right time for us to, you know, lock into a to a longer term rate. So, what has been happening on the street is I will I will just basically say it bluntly that March is probably uh, that past is probably the best sales month that we are going to experience in 2022 uh, because of that feels like um, you know mindset. Um, now, make no mistake, on the street, I would say that 30% of homes uh, are not receiving the same type of multiple offers they received earlier, but 70% 70, 70 are. And there are some you know, neighborhoods in the GTA that we have to look at more, uh, not from a macro level, but a micro level, because there are some neighborhoods that are still getting multiple offers on homes. They're selling within two and three days. Um, the activity has maybe dropped by 10 or 15%. But then you start going to the outskirts and, and not to lead into um, a suburban GTA uh, conversation already, but you're looking at some of the outskirts and you're seeing a 25 and 35% less sales. Um, in one market, we've seen even north of 30% less sales already as we're into the, into the April month. And uh, it really seems like we're in a unseasonal, unseasonal cycle where um, where we should be looking at spring being right now, but yet it feels like spring's already passed us. So, you know, you make some interesting points there, Tim. And one of the things that I thought I'd bring up is the fact that, you know, we we pretty much peaked um, our sales in, let's say, February, March. But when you say 30% less, and this is something I need you to talk to, because uh, immediately, you know, people, their mindset, when people hear 30% less, they normally, you know, go to the price. But we have not seen the prices back up. We just see the volume 
and yet we still also only have so much inventory in the marketplace. So can you explain a little bit of that? Oh, thank you for my pleasure to clarify. So we have not seen a 30% drop in prices. We've just seen from uh, March to April, the activity, you know, drop off, you know, compared to, you know, month over month and, and year over year of what we've been seeing. So um, prices have not had uh, a, a retracted, you know, a, a retract in the marketplace. They're, they've not gone down by 30% or 20%. Uh, there has been a little bit of softening. Obviously, a half a percent has made an impact, um, but not enough to, to bring prices down. So when we talk about pricing, and, and we have to be very careful when we talk about pricing, because a lot of people use averages. And, you know, I've spoken in depth on the show here about the idea that you know you when people do a general average it's kind of difficult because if we've got a hot condominium market that's actually going to yank down the overall average in the marketplace tim you know some of the reports and some of the headlines are saying you know the average price sale price is down i i, I think where people have to remember is what is selling because that will skew the average i mean condominiums and a low-rise uh, townhomes and and uh, semi-detached homes are not coming down at all. It is the most affordable part of the marketplace. And, you know, people are really focused on, on getting into the market and making their first move. Um, so that area has not seen a slowdown whatsoever. Uh, as a matter of fact, just to, to give, provide some, some context here, um, where early in the year, we were maybe at a 10-day supply of homes on the market. We're just hovering over a month right now, which is still a tremendous seller's market. It's nowhere near balanced to provide the buyers with the um, uh, the deposit they need to be able to get into the marketplace. Well, listen, gentlemen, we're going to go to a, a quick break. But folks, when we come back, I'll have more with Tim Sirianos and Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in this part of my show, it's called the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And my panelists each month, we've got Tim Sirianos and Dave Butler joining us. Tim is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. He's also a former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. Dave Butler, yeah, you catch him here all the time. He is my go-to guy for mortgages. He is the CEO at BM Select. Gentlemen, just before the break, we were just talking about interest rates and and really the effect that it's having on the market. Dave, you know one of the one of the things that people you know talk about is the cooling off of the market. A lot of people are pushing for affordability, but if we see interest rates you know going up, you know affordability is obviously going to change. Where do you uh, where do you see the year ending up when we talk about interest rate hikes? Um, you know it's interesting. I mean this this government obviously it's very tough to predict. I think we can all agree about that. Um, and obviously, inflation has hit kind of a critical level uh, globally. Um, so, I mean, as far as where the rest, you know, where the rest of the year is going to take us with rates, I think most Canadians and I mean, you know, not necessarily that I think this is the right move, but I think we should be pricing in about another potential one percent increase for the rest of the year. Certainly, if it's more or less, um, you know, I'm kind of looking at a law of averages here, but. I definitely think we will see a 0.5 hike in June. They, you know, the language that was used in their last Bank of Canada meeting kind of suggested that. Um, a lot of times, I think, 
that, uh, you know, the language that's used in those meetings can kind of be a good precursor to the following. Um, and then from there, I think we really have to start to see in June and July and August what the inflation numbers are looking like before we can kind of get an idea of what the Bank of Canada will do for the rest of the year. But it wouldn't be, you know, out of the norm for me to say that by the end of this year, I could see the Bank of Canada prime rate sitting at 42 with that said, you know, most people are getting discounts off of the prime rate when they're getting a variable rate. So you're, you know, if the prime rate is sitting at 4.2, most Canadians that are sitting on a variable rate are going to be sitting at a rate between 3.2 and let's say 3.7 as an example. Still a very, very attractive rate. And more importantly, if that ends up being the top of the market, I'm not too concerned with where those rates are. I think that if that becomes the top and we start to see a possible retraction, depending on how globally things go next year and in 2024, um, I think rates could find themselves back to a point where they're healthy again. Um, not to say they're not healthy now, but certainly when you have the run-up like we've had, that's generally not a healthy increase over the short period of time. But as far as where I think rates will go, um, yeah, I think we could probably price in about another 1% increase by the Bank of Canada. But certainly, again, tough to predict what this government's doing. They've done some things that I don't think any of us would have likely done or seen. Yeah. So speaking of government, Tim, you know, upcoming election, uh, this is one of those times where, you know, you and I sitting back, we listen to a whole lot of promises. I know you're not going to, you know, talk about one, any one specific course in the race, but I, th I think housing obviously is front and center with a lot of these commitments that some of these candidates are trying to make. And, you know, we're seeing a little bit more of the provincial government is sticking their neck up saying, hey, we're going to do more for housing. We're going to cut red tape. You know, how how are our listeners going to actually believe anything that any you know, politicians says about housing. I mean, you know, it, it's been a real non-starter for years. So where where, and how should people be analyzing some of these commitments? I find it very difficult to, to really um, uh, assist in making sense with some of the announcement that they're making uh, because the words don't line up with the actions. I, I mean, having this conversation about affordable housing for years now and a lack of, you know, supply for years now, and then having the announcement that the municipal government here in Toronto has in, is going to increase development charges by 49%. I mean, our listeners have to, to realize that there's only one person who's going to pay for that 49%, and that's going to be the consumer, the buyer. So uh, we need to look at the red tape of not having increased prices uh, like this, possibly, you know, going back to the same broken record conversation that we've been having about the land transfer tax. Um, maybe the provincial government should be looking at the, at the land transfer tax on the provincial level and, um, and, and looking at that and possibly eliminating it. I mean, the idea of throwing money and, and, building properties and yet not having the trades people to be here to build it also and not another you know clash of two ideas that that, that we should all be concerned about so um look i mean the efforts there at the same time the efforts there they you know i know they're trying uh, what i love a lot to, to share with everybody is that there is 
you know, real conversation having, you know, being done between the industry um, and the provincial government and the municipal government. I just wish that, you know, some of the ideas that were provided forward by the real estate industry, whose boots on the ground every single day working, volunteering their time, were actually, you know, taken more to heart and implemented. You know, I hate to throw some uh, cold water on this thing, though. I, and I got to tell you, Tim, I, as far as I'm concerned, talk is cheap when it comes down to, you know, a lot of the politicians making commitments. You know, you did touch on something, and I think it's something that we should really address, is the fact that we do not have this the 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 labor market to be able to build we just don't have the trades not in ontario not in canada i mean you know quite frankly with the shortage that we have you know we need to employ hundreds of thousands of tradespeople to be able to do it and we just we just don't have that in the pipeline right now we don't have enough people that are going to go into the trades and so with new immigration uh you know this is i again i think it's stymie the growth as much as anything else and again, my my point to this is that we're hearing a whole lot of chatter, but I just I don't know if there's anybody out there that's actually going to be strong with a commitment, get the trades, create the program for the trades to be able to get this stuff built. Well, it's not just, you see, in, in my humble opinion, it's not just uh, new construction. It's also the existing inventory that exists within um, the greater market. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about Toronto or any other big city in Canada. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, when you're, you know, sorry, increasing a lot of the development charges, um, if you're adding, you know, a land transfer tax that's double what they used to pay for, people are going to try to stay put and renovate. I've, I've shared it with, with you and everyone before. I mean, my parents are in their 70s. They live in a 3,200 square foot house. It's a five bedroom with a double car garage. They don't need that house, but they have, you know, they, they don't want to move because it's expensive to move, right? And they're wondering where are they going to go? Um, so there is a lot of existing inventory in the market, but we just have to look at the cost associated with it. And again, it comes down to uh, the land transfer taxes, development charges and everything else to kind of free up, um, uh, you know, more, you know, confidence, I guess, for people to be able to, to look at their pocketbook and be able to make that move. You know, Dave, Tim makes a good point and, and, you know, I've had to address this several times on the show where people are actually getting shamed for remaining in a large house. And, you know, Tim, not that you're putting your parents down, but a lot of people will sit there and say, you know, they don't need this much square footage, almost like, you know, they, they're, they're being selfish for staying there in some ways. But a lot of people, you know, as Tim expressed, you know, it's, it's tough to move sometimes. It, it, you know, the idea of having a house that you've lived in for 20 years, I know, Dave, you've just moved into a new house. But, you know, if you live for 20 years, you, you collect a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of memories. It's hard <laughs> for some people to finally take that move and move out you know, especially considering it's going to come into a downsizing situation. Yeah. You know, it's funny as Tim was saying that it, you know, my brain immediately started thinking about the fact that, you know, in Tim's parent situation, I can completely understand where they're coming from because can you and I and Tim, do we know of many builders that are focusing on building bungalows? You know what I mean? Like no one's, you know, everything's now the two story, you know, or the condos. We've kind of, it feels like we've forgotten about the people that are going to want to be living in these one story homes. And it is funny because, you know, Tim's parents, unfortunately, if they did want to sell and downsize into something that was maybe one story, they are now stuck almost having to fight this battle with a bunch of other people 
that are looking for the same older style homes because there's not a lot of these new bungalows in one story. So I think it's interesting, as, as Tim was saying that, it literally just hit my brain and said, that's such an amazing point in that you're right. They're going to stay there because, A, moving is tough. And as to your point, Todd, we've got all the stuff in the house and moving is just not easy. But then where are they going? You know, what are we doing? Are we going to go move into, you know, a smaller two story house that's a ridiculous price? Um, you know, so it's really interesting. And, and I think it all goes back to development. And we always talk about every single show. You know, we seem to have the same theme, which is supply, get the right workers. But it is funny because I think there's no diversity. The diversity has been lost with the different types of homes being built simply because as Tim points out, with the charges and with everything where it's at, it actually seems to make more sense. If you're building a two-story, or, or sorry, a detached home, a lot of times you're going to look to build the two-story because that's where the money's going to be, and that's where the builder's going to be able to recoup a lot of their funds. We're going to go to a quick break, but folks, when we come back, I've got more with Tim Serianos and Dave Butler, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, this part of my show, it's called the Real Estate Talk Triangle, and uh, joining me, Tim Serianos, Dave Butler, and guys, just before the break, we were we were discussing the fact, and and Dave, you know, I'm glad you brought it up that, you know, there there is kind of a missing sized home, if we're hoping to get people to downsize. And you did you did allude to the idea of bungalows, which you know makes me think, you know, maybe I should become a developer of bungalows in the future because I think there'd be a big market for it. But uh, Tim, you know, Dave made a really good point about that. We are we're kind of missing that step down. And, you know, I, you know, we had we had discussed, you know, your parents situation, big home, you know, a little bit harder for them to move, you know, downsize in, in, in many, many reasons. And, and I, it's not just your parents. I think, you know, we're not singling them out. It's just every person that's hitting a certain age, you know, size of home, kids have moved on, things like that. You know, th there's nothing really attractive out there for ownership you know we start talking about rentals we start talking about you know even you know some kind of retirement village but not everybody's there you know they 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 have lots of life to live and maybe you know we need to start focusing on on more more product out there not just for the first time home buyer but more for the downsizers well when, when we look at the actual condos that have been being built and the target market of the condos especially when they're 550 and 600 square feet i mean are they not more geared towards the investor or the first time buyer and not geared to probably the largest marketplace that you know that's out there that's that we're moving into um, the retirement you know people who are going to be entering their retirement years and the segment of the population that's going to be entering their retirement years in the next eight to ten years. So we're we're talking about uh, a missed opportunity to to kind of also focus on development on on infrastructure and planning when it comes to our cities. Uh, to possibly look at, you know, the aging population that we do have, you know, um, in all our cities and, and work towards that. I mean, they are looking at laneway housing. They are looking at, you know, at different types of um, uh, developments that are actually in place right now. I just got off the phone uh, with a, a company who was asking me a lot of questions about a certain development uh, that they want to put into place for laneway housing. But going back to the, to the uh, opportunity that's right in front of our noses that we're not focusing on, we need to start maybe getting approvals for types of properties, even if they're low-rise condos, um, even if they're duplexes, uh, you know, that provides more than 550 square feet to provide that incentive for people to move. 
So Dave, you know, one of the things in the news, of course, is the fact that a lot of the major malls are going to start using their parking lots. And we see, you know, a whole lot of stuff being redeveloped. You know, some new communities coming up, in, you know, for for example, in Mississauga, you know, Scarborough, that Scarborough Town Centre, Yorkdale, Sherway Gardens, you know, Square One in Mississauga, you know, a lot of these. And now Fairview, Cadillac Fairview Mall is coming into into the fray and they're going to sit there and do some redevelopment. As a, as a mortgage specialist like yourself, are you finding a lot of people that are looking at this kind of stuff saying, hey, look, at this is going to be good for the future, so we're going to buy into it? You know, I, I find that a lot. And it's weird because, you know, for years and years and years, you know, talking to consumers every day, we didn't have these supply demand conversations, you know, and it's just interesting to me that in 2021 and 2020, you know, even your average consumer now is very aware of the supply demand issues that we are having here in Canada, particularly, obviously, in Ontario. Um, And it's just interesting to me, as you ask the question, is that, you know, yes, I I do. I have a lot of clients that we work with um, that have said, hey, you know what, we're hearing this. We're going to wait a little bit. Um, And it's just interesting because that's now kind of the new way of approaching buying a home if you're looking to enter the market. Um, you, it feels like in a weird way, you and your real estate agent or the professional you're working with have to literally almost, you know, it's like a, a, a treasure hunt in that sense. You have to try to uncover the newest areas, you know, the newest this, the newest that. And I think we even look at, you know, it's almost a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a development from years past where in the, you know, we'll call it in the 2000s, we all saw this this rush from, you know, one area would get bought up, let's say in Hamilton, and then all of a sudden investors would go find another area like Kitchener that hadn't been tapped into and Cambridge and Woodbridge. And we saw, not Woodbridge, sorry, Woodstock. We saw all of these kind of situations happen, but it's funny now, instead of looking for those areas those areas, a lot of them have been saturated. We're now looking at what you're saying is people are saying, well, I'm hearing this is going to happen in Mississauga and I'm hearing they're going to do this, they're going to develop this. And so it's just funny to see the, the changes over time as to how your consumer is looking at what's going to be approaching the market. Tim, I do want to uh, touch briefly on the rental market. You know, we're seeing some of the uh, rents go up, less inventory. How do you feel the market's doing? Oh, I'm so happy you brought this up. Um, actually, the rental market is very promising. Um, there's been some reports that I've been uh, following intently over the past couple of weeks. Um, there's something like 115 or 120,000 units um, that are purpose-built rentals that are, you know, geared. Uh, you know, there's we're definitely you know, recovered from COVID-19 for the rental market. And we're seeing a lot of, um, uh, you know, drivers on demand and and people actually building. Um, we're going to see a lot more uh, development in that in that area. Um, so it, it's, it's very, very promising. Like we are under two months right now um, of inventory, uh, sorry, under 2% of inventory, which is still um, not as bad as it was pre-COVID, uh, but um, it's still not good enough for, for a healthy market to provide choice. But there are a lot of units in the pipeline that are coming. Um, they should be, you know, they've already, construction's already started, and that's going to be very promising for people to, uh, to, to have a place to live. Yeah, and I think if immigration opens up even further, 
I think that we'll see you know more people coming in to rent in the very beginning. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, the Im- the immigration targets are <laughs> are very high. Um, that may you know put a little bit pressure on the actual supply. Uh, but again, close to 120,000 uh, units. Uh, that's 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 over a fifteen percent increase. Um, uh, you know, year over year. And I think in the last five years, if I remember from my memory, it's like something like a almost, believe it or not, like a 200% increase in the last five years, just just pushing forward on the rental, uh, purpose-built rentals right now. Well, gentlemen, as usual, it, uh, you know, we've run out of runway, and but I do want to thank you for joining me once again, being part of the panel for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Always a pleasure having you join me and, uh, you know, keeping everybody up to speed each month. Thank you so much. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Todd. Honestly, it's a pleasure. I love doing this. This is really fun to do with you guys. So that was Tim Sirianos and Dave Butler. And and I got to tell you, each month when we do this, uh, this talk triangle, I, I look forward to it. You know, love having them on. And of course, Tim is the broker owner of Remax Ultimate. And Dave Butler, you hear him here regularly. He is the CEO of BM Select, you know, and if you're... Uh, if you're looking at two professionals, these these gentlemen, they've definitely got the the time in the industry and the knowledge. So great to have them on, you know, once a month with me and really important just to keep you up to date on what's going on. Uh, speaking of keeping you up to date, uh, as I mentioned earlier, coming up this Thursday, that's right, this Thursday, May the 5th, we've got our Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. Um, I'm really excited. I've uh, got some pretty cool announcements coming up. We've got some new product as well i'm going to uh, i'm going to show you uh, you know basically where's the best places to buy investment real estate you know there is still great opportunities out there in certain markets you just have to dig down a little bit deeper well i'm going to talk about that during the webinar it's at 7 p.m and to register just go to the simpleinvestor.com to register and uh, of course if you want you can follow me on instagram the simple investor one but uh, as i mentioned you know I'm, I'm i'm excited about it and i do want to just throw out a huge congratulations to all of our investors uh, who have just uh, closed on their North Bay townhomes. You might have heard uh, my commercials over the last little while when we had it. So really exciting. Um, we're, we're going out there and buying villages. And fortunately for us, for only 229,000, um, you know, people are getting three bedroom townhomes and positive cash flow, even with today's interest rates. So really, really exciting things. And uh, I do want to, of course, thank Ian Grant, my producer. He does keep it simple for me every single week. And I want to thank you because you have made us the number one real estate talk show. And it's very exciting to be able to bring it to you every single week as well. So again, I will be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.